Hell yeah. Welcome to Mike 22, where I sit down with Mike Miracles uh, of Music City Miracles. We are live in studio at the, uh, what do you want to call this studio? Uh, a satellite studio. We could, we could call it the uh, the Herndon Haven. The Herndon Haven. Oh. Hacienda <laughs> <laughs> Day F-words. Yeah. Uh, so, Mike, let's just dive right in. What's up with Rashawn Evans? Um, You know, I think Evans has been... He he still looks like himself sometimes, you know the the very aggressive player go, getting getting downhill, getting after running backs. But he's missed a lot of tackles, like a sneaky high amount of tackles. I think uh, PFF tweeted something out. He had one of the high. He has one of the highest missed tackle rates in the NFL through the first three games, and he's not great in coverage. There's there's been a couple of big plays that uh, specifically in the Browns and Colts games. Um, where Evans was in coverage and he on a third down is is on a third and long. Evans is in coverage and he comes down to take away like a check down, exposing a deeper throw behind the sticks to basically be wide open. So, you know, obviously on third down you have to have in your head where the guy needs to get to. Those checkdowns were not a threat to pick up the first down and he kind of left a big hole. So. I think he he's he was always going to be a work in progress as a coverage player. He didn't do it hardly at all at Alabama, so I'm willing to be patient with him on that. But the missed tackles need to be cleaned up sooner rather than later. Yo, Jarrell Casey, you up? Where is he at? <laughs> um, you know he's not been as disruptive as we're used to seeing. You still see glimpses of it, like he's he's had a couple plays where he's been able to get use that quick lateral movement and get across face and and really get on the edge and make a play. Um, but not as consistent as you like to see. But again, he's getting a lot of attention on the inside with you know Daquan Jones. He's just not a a huge threat. He's a good player in, in run defense, but he's not a huge threat as a pass rusher. All rise, especially Harold Landry. Yeah. I wrote a lot of stuff down. You did. Yeah, you, I got, got some. some I got bits. some. Got some bits. <laughs> uh, he, he, you predicted that he was going to have uh, ten plus sacks. Yeah, and what was your bold, there. spicy prediction? It'd that be top uh, ten in the NFL in sacks. Yeah, yeah. How, how's that looking for you? Not, and not why is right it now. looking bad? <laughs> so uh, he's got what one sack I think uh, so far. Um, oh, I, I thought he was a uh, pitching a goose egg. No, nah, he he got a sack in the Colts game, um, but he uh, and he he had a sack that got taken away by a penalty in the Browns game. So he's. Been Quit making excuses. You kind of sound like a Marcus Mariota. Fan. I know, I know. But he's he's done a few things. He's had a few nice rushes. He hasn't had nearly as consistent the number of rushes as I was expecting to see from him. And you know, frankly, the you know week two against Costanzo, that's a tough matchup. Costanzo's one of the best left tackles in the NFL. Um, but the other two left tackles are not very good football players. And if you're going to be against. the best. You gotta, you gotta beat, beat the best. Yeah, gotta beat them. That's what Ric Flair said. No, yeah. let's be the man. You gotta beat the man. That's right. But so. I mean, I think I want to see more from Landry. Absolutely, he has not. He has not made the impact that I think you'd like to see in year two from him so far. So let's talk about snap counts. I didn't have a bit for snap counts. No, no, no snappy, no, bit. Uh, no, no snappy, no snappy uh, comments. Bit. Damn, that would have been a good one. <laughs> no snappy, no snappy comments. Um, <laughs> And let's go start, stick with defense, and because we're about to move to offense. Cam Wake, 27.18 since the beginning of the season. He was 
super effective. And then his snap count actually lowered the last two games yeah. compared to the first one. What the fuck? I don't know. I, I, I wish I knew. I mean, Wake is a like Wake <laughs> has been their best defensive lineman, better than Casey, better than Landry. He's been outstanding when he's been on the field. It's just they weren't putting him on the field that much. And I get that like And we're allowing, I feel like, a lot of opportunities uh, downs where he should be. Like yeah. I don't I don't get it. I don't either. And, and I mean them being them constantly falling behind in games early, I think is not helping them because Wake is the kind of guy that you want to get out ahead and then be able to rush the passer or knowing that the other team's going to have to drop back and throw it. And that's really how this defense is designed to play is to get out in front, get a lead, and then suffocate you with the pass rush. You know, the the fast edge rushers, the the Jarrell Casey's, and then the secondary, uh, you know, being able to be opportunistic and get their hands on the ball. But I, I don't think they're doing themselves any favors by getting off to slow starts and then you know, you just need to see him on the field more. He's your best. Well, he's I your, don't get arguably your best player through it, you know three well, weeks. So explain to me first off who's in and when he's not in. Is it always Sharif Finch or is it Sharif Finch and Correa? It's a little bit of Sharif Finch, or it's a lot of Sharif Finch. It's uh, a little Correa. Uh, sometimes they're going with three defensive linemen and Landry. So you would have Landry, say Jones, Casey, and then you know, a Dickerson or a Mac or somebody like that. So you're seeing a few different looks out there like that. But, I mean, none of those guys are making the impact that Wake is. Hey, well, and let me let me backtrack here. You said that, you know, there's not a lot because we fall behind. Yeah. I mean, I know you want Cam Wake to be, you know, off to the fast start and have the defense. Doesn't, if you're falling behind because the de- offense is scoring, isn't he your best chance to probably stop that? I mean, maybe they, they this those the dumb opening drive touchdowns are are killing them. I mean, that, that's happened basically three straight weeks. I know the Adoree Jackson muff punt really kind of masked a, what should have been a three and out and a great start to that Jaguars game, which was obviously a huge pivotal play in the game. But um, you can't continue to get off to these slow starts. And and I mean, Wake is a part of that you know he needs to be on the field and helping them get off the field but you've got to get him into third down first so so that Wake can really pin his ears back and do what he does best uh so today I tweeted out I don't know if you saw it because you're on the road yeah. about uh the one thing that can unite us together is that we need more second and long <laughs> Deion Lewis runs up the middle I almost it, it's, swerved it's a really great tweet apparently yeah. people love that joke <laughs> so speaking of Deion Lewis yeah. uh 47.98 percent of the snaps so far. And I know that everybody's going to beat the drum. Well, the majority of those are probably because we're playing from behind. I don't get the sense that I, I just think that they're doing it all throughout the game. And that's the problem that I kind of have with it. You know, you know me, I don't like Dion Lewis. Yeah. So far, Dion Lewis is still not the Dion Lewis. that was at the Patriots. No, and, not even close. And I, I think that we're killing ourselves by, first off, not doing a lot more play action, which we'll talk about later, of yeah. course, but not having Henry, who technically right now is the only consistent explosive player that we have week to week on yeah. the field. Yeah, I, I think Henry needs to play more, too. I th- I understand what they're doing with Lewis. You know, they want him in on third downs. I, I understand that. Um, and unfortunately the Titans have been in a lot of third downs because they refuse to be aggressive on first and second down. 
um, which is a problem in and of itself. But that is contributing to Lewis's playing time. You're also getting him every time they go into like a two-minute drill, you're going to get him. At the end of the Jaguars game, he was basically in the entire fourth quarter as they kind of were in a hurry-up mode and stuff like that. So I think realistically, as far as like first and second down carries, Lewis is only getting basically one series a half right now, which maybe is one more series than he needs to get. But, you know, it's it's not that much. It's just the Titans have been in a ton of third downs, and that's, that's a problem. That's a major problem for the offense, and I think if you – start get converting and getting the ball rolling on first and second down better you'll see more Henry so well I I think this is a huge shot at the for the all all year 53.34 percent of snaps are being played by Delaney yeah that and we'll get into it in our next podcast about what Delaney's comments high I think that's way too low really is I mean he's your he's Marcus's best friend you know, target ostensibly. I mean, yeah. you can argue that Corey Davis should be that, or AJ Brown, or Hump should be that. But I mean, he's the most—he's the security blanket. It's right. where he feels most comfortable. And fifty-three percent—that seems really low for Delaney. What do you think is attributing to that? Because Johnu Smith is out snapping Delaney Walker. Yeah, I think they want Johnu to be your main blocking tight end for the most part. And and I mean, frankly. John who's been a better blocker than Delaney this year, which is kind of shocking to me because Walker's always been a pretty strong blocker and Smith has not been, but Smith is, I've been very impressed with John Smith this year of, you know, I, we're going to get to bright spots later, but he's one I'll go ahead and tease right now. John Smith has played. Well, really you're only well. getting one bright spot. All right. Well, that's your bonus bright okay. spot. <laughs> bonus bright spot is John Smith. I'll use another one later, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think John Smith's playing really well. I don't mind him being on the field and taking some of those reps off of Delaney Walker. He's still, I mean, he's, he's an incredible human being. And the fact that he's 35 and he's still out there making plays and, and being a productive NFL tight end, but he is 35 years old and you want him to be fresh and available at the end of a 16 game season as well. And and if you've got a guy like Johnny Smith, who's not hurting you when he's on the field, I don't mind them taking him out and kind of rotating him a little bit. I think bit. Delaney's starting to mind, but like I said, we'll get into Maybe. that in the next episode. Maybe. Uh, I want to talk about, you wrote an article, well, you wrote two recently since the Jaguars game, and one of them was <laughs> discussing um, where do we go from here? Yeah. Uh, so that one you talked about, and that's some, this is something that's often overlooked, and this week in uh one of our group chats would have been a good time to really hammer this home yeah but everybody's really down on Vrabel's offensive philosophy yeah everybody forgets that the person that he wanted to at first was who Ryan Day and what kind of offense does Ryan Day run the power spread it's basically the Chip Kelly offense and in running that it doesn't necessarily mean that he would come here and run it but you would have to think it would be pretty close to a spread offense if he was here which that's basically all he's been in yeah. I mean he he started he was a quarterback for Chip Kelly at New Hampshire before Kelly even got to Oregon but that I mean that was where that scheme basically originated so he played quarterback for Kelly he was a graduate assistant under Kelly he went and I think coached somewhere else for a couple years and then he came back to coach with Kelly again he coached with Kelly in the NFL he spent and then he goes to work for Urban Meyer who runs a very similar scheme he spent almost his entire career running that scheme, so I can't imagine he was going to come here and run something that would be too far of a departure from that. I mean, 
there's a lot of similarities between what Ryan Day and Matt LaFleur wanted to do. They're, they want to run first. I mean, that's one of the things. You think about the spread. You think about these teams that are wide open and air raid and stuff like that. But the power spread's not that. The power spread is a run-based attack. It's just they come at the run differently. They're spreading you out to run versus you know condensing and, and trying to hit you in the mouth to run. So why is Art Smith such a stark contra- contrast to that? And why is Vrabel's comments a stark contrast to what you just described? I don't know. I wish I did because, <laughs> I mean, honestly, you know, if, if Ryan Day was truly his first choice, which by all reports he was, it, it's a huge departure from Ryan Day's offense to LaFleur's offense. You know, like I said, it's a run, it's a run-based offense, but they go about it in such different ways. And obviously Mariota had all that success at Oregon. I think if you look at what he's done in the NFL when the Titans have spread the ball out and have gone shotgun and no huddle and all the stuff that that people want to see him do because of that that's what he did successfully at Oregon, he's been really bad at it at the NFL level and I don't know if that's because it's not a regular enough part of the scheme or he just can't get a rhythm with it or what, but the numbers suggest that he's actually better under center and running off a of play action and doing defined reads and not not having to do full field reads off of a a shotgun kind of spread look so there's arguments to be made whether that would have been effective for him or not but it's interesting to me that maybe maybe Vrabel is not or I guess maybe he's open to more systems than the one that we're seeing right now and I mean hell if it it continues to go off the rails like it is right now you know it, it does Arthur Smith come back next year? I don't. I don't know that that's a guarantee. And if if he doesn't, then do they go in a power spread direction? Do they try to bring somebody to you know maybe partner with a new quarterback or something like that that fits that scheme that that quarterback would run best? I, I think those are all interesting questions. They're way too early to ask right now, realistically, because we're week three, and for all we know, the Titans will bounce back and figure it out and maybe by the end of the season we'll be going hey it's it's a nice looking offense but I don't know it's it's something that that is stuck in my mind for a while now though this this offense speaking of it slow starts yeah just these last two weeks have been just horrendous and really this carries over to a lot of this offense seems like forever even even in the good games last year the Eagles was a slow start the Cowboys was a slow start I mean it this this offense all, almost always seems to start a little bit sleepy coming out of the game. So Warren Sharp, we're big we're big Warren Sharp fans. Yeah, sharp heads and uh, sharpies. Sharpies, yeah. yeah. I'm sorry, uh, well, that's too sharp obvious. Sharpies was stupid. <laughs> Sharpies would have been good. Uh, so the first series of the Jaguars game was first and ten run, second and eight run, God. second and ten run, second and twenty run. That was all in the first series. So why is Arthur Smith doing uh, he's like the he's taking the worst parts of LaFleur and the worst parts of Malarkey and here we are. Yeah. Uh, these last two weeks it's a total different Very alarming. It's a total different person from the first week. I don't know that it's totally different. I, I think some of these things popped up in the first week. They were just maybe a little bit more effective with them or executed them better. But the second and long runs are always gonna drive me crazy and the second and 20, particularly, I'm like, what the hell is the goal here to get to third and 15, which has like a sub 5% conversion rate? It's it's bad offense. Like, 
if you're going to be in second and 20, which is a bad place to be and it's hard to convert and, and all of that, take a couple shots. I mean, what's what's the worst that's going to happen? You get picked off 30, 40 yards downfield and it's basically like a punt anyways. I mean, I, I'm so sick and tired of seeing the first down run, second and 10, second and 10 run. All right, third and nine. Now we're, now we're having to drop back and pass and the pass rushers are pinning their ears back. And now... You're, I mean, that's the kind of stuff that you put yourself in those third and ultra long situations. That's how your pass pass protection looks awful because the defense is going to look way better. The pass rushers is going to look way better when they can pin their ears back. They've got no no concerns about the run. They're not even reading the run. They're just shooting the gaps and going. And it's so frustrating to watch them continue to put themselves in that same situation over and over again, almost voluntarily. It, it just it drives me insane to watch that. Okay, so Marcus had a bad game yep. for for three quarters, let's say. Maybe yeah. just two. The right guard spot is just horrendous. Are we going to hopefully see – is Nate Davis going to at least – is he a Band-Aid, a short-term Band-Aid for right now, I guess? I mean – I mean, I, th- I think you have at least some hope with Davis in there. Um, we have no idea what to expect from him at an NFL level, obviously. Didn't play a single snap in preseason – We've never seen him actually in a Titans uniform on the field. So whenever he gets in the game, it'll be the first time. So we'll see what he does. I, I think they would have really probably liked to wait longer with Davis because he was always going to be a little bit of a project. They had to fix the stands. There was some there's some issues with him lunging and stuff like that, getting kind of like top heavy out over his feet, um, not being patient. I think I would expect to see some of those issues. I'm not expecting Nate Davis to come in and look like Zach Martin. You know, that's unrealistic to expect. So expect to see some growing pains, but it's hard to imagine him being any worse than Jameel Douglas was on Thursday night. There was literally snaps where Calais Campbell is walking to the line of scrimmage, sees the other defensive tackle lined up over Jameel Douglas, grabs him and moves him out of the way so that he can rush against Jameel Douglas and just, he, he beat him almost every time. It was that's, unbelievable. That's so demoralizing oh, for Jamil Douglas. Absolutely, like there's they're they're literally fighting over who can line up over Jamil Douglas. Yes, exact. That's exactly what was happening. And Calais Campbell. I mean, you rarely like a good pass block win rate for for an offensive lineman's like eighty five percent, something like that. I mean, you're gonna lose every now and then, but I mean, Jamil Douglas might have won ten percent of those those matchups. I mean, Campbell dominated his ass. It was. Oh, horrible to watch so and and also amazing because Clay's Campbell's an amazing player and I can't believe he's still doing that at what 33 is he yeah. 33 now oh he may uh, even be older than that yeah I, I I thought he was gonna end up being washed by this point or at least slowing down and he's showing no signs of that which which sucks for Titans fans well you you got a lot of people showing screenshots of plays of Tom Gower seeing uh that Irish guy who just Fahey, yeah, yeah. And, you know, a lot of people, they don't show the video. They just show what what part of the video they think yeah. can, you know, show Best their support narrative. support their argument, yeah. So let me ask you a question. Corey Davis has been a big topic because Blake, Blake Bedenfield brought up that <laughs> he's not a number one guy, and it was a pretty, pretty guy. One of, uh, of Music City Miracle who does the morning update links, Rob Greenlaw, got him real fired up. Got, got him, some feathers were ruffled. Yeah, yeah. so... You've seen the offensive uh, tape a lot yeah. uh, for the All-22 this week and for the Jaguars. 
is Corey Davis mechanical in the zone? I mean, maybe a little bit. Yeah, I, I don't think he's – he sometimes does look like he's like – you can see him thinking still through what he's doing and stuff like that. But I think most of the time he's been good and, and he's been getting open. I've actually got some screenshots and I'm eventually going <laughs> to post them. Uh, after I just after, said that screenshots are well, stupid. Well, but here, here's the thing. So people people got mad at me because I posted a, a snap or a, actually a clip of Corey Davis running a, a basically a deep comeback route. And I was like, how open does Corey Davis need to be for Mario to pull the trigger right. on this ball? And everyone jumped in the comments and was like, oh, Corey Davis isn't open. That quarterback is closing on him from behind. I've got like three screenshots from the Jaguars game of, Corey Davis, uh, Delaney Walker, and Adam Humphreys running stop routes where the corner is significantly closer to that receiver coming, going into his break, and Mariota pulls the trigger, puts it on him, and it's a catch. It, th that is open by NFL standards. I, like You aren't going to have a guy that's standing with 10 yards of space. Why, why do people think that, that Marcus has – and now we're going to get off on a totally okay. different tangent yeah, – yeah. But <laughs> why do people think that for Marcus to throw the ball that they have to have five yards? You don't. You, you don't even like, have why? to have why do pe fans any think space. That? You, if if you, fans were even uh, – I'm sorry. Uh, this, I saw something <laughs> yeah, the other day. There was a play in this Jacksonville game, and they were saying Adam Humphreys was double covered in the flat or something. The The other defender was 10 yards away. You're, you're talking about the one where they're saying he was going to undercut the thrower. Yeah. NFL quarterbacks make that throw every, every fucking game. <laughs> every I, game. These excuses. Yeah. I mean, I can understand some excuses for certain things. Yeah. But the excuses of, well, there's somebody on them or there's, uh, you know, someone, um, you know, gonna they're going to undercut. Well, that's why you throw the ball fast. Yeah. That's right. why people zip it all the time. And let me t say this. Uh, one of my big issues with Blake Benfield is that Corey's not a 50-50 guy. Yeah. Uh, go watch that Patriots game. And we, he had Stephen Stephon Gilmore all over him all game in 50-50 scenarios, and he routinely beat him. Here's here's my problem with Bettingfield's argument about Corey Davis. I, I think I, I respect Blake's history and knowledge of of the Titans, and and he's put in a lot of work watching film and knows a ton about football, obviously. But in the same segment on midday 180 he said Corey Davis was not a number one receiver because if we if he was we'd be seeing him get more production and then in the same later in the same segment he said Julio Jones did not put up great stats at Alabama because he had quarterbacks that couldn't get him the ball well does Corey Davis not have a quarterback that can't get him the ball I think that's exactly what we're seeing right now hallelujah amen I mean Corey Davis has a quarterback that does not want to throw He's not, he's not going to throw the 50-50 balls. Paul Carson, he's been on this for a little while. He sees the negative side of the 50-50. I think Paul's exactly right about that. Yeah, I think they all – I think for I think it was Chad and Paul both, and maybe even Hutton. They all yeah. three may have even brought that up in different ways to yeah. Blake. And I, I think Davis – I mean, you see him – he makes the one-handed grab in the, uh, in the Jaguars game that was a great catch on the sidelines for an inaccurate pass and, and is able to haul it in and – he had another diving catch on on a play that ended up getting wiped out for I think a legal formation penalty. But he's, I think he makes plays when he gets the opportunity. I, I don't think you see a lot of plays where it's just like, oh well, they threw it up to Davis and he just didn't go make a play. Can you remember them just throwing it up to Davis? I mean, 
give the guy a chance to be a number I one I can receiver. remember when they threw. It was the uh, end zone touchdown in overtime yeah. that won us the game. Yeah, <laughs> he goes up and makes a play. I mean, I think if you watch Davis, more often than not, if you give him the chance, he makes a play. And I think he's been open. I think he's – I mean, I feel terrible for the guy, honestly, because – Hashtag free Corey. Free Corey Davis. I mean, please get this guy, get this man the ball. He is, he's a number one receiver in my opinion. And if you stuck him on an offense that had good quarterback play and knew how to feed a number one receiver, I think you'd see him go the hell off. I think he would be dominant. Okay. So that's a lot of negativity. We got we got Musa. off top we got off topic yeah. about we were gonna talk about the spacing. I do think there's spacing issues okay. with the offense. I think some of that is is valid. Uh there's too many routes I'm seeing right now where multiple receivers are ending up within five yards of each other, like twelve yards downfield, and one guy can basically cover them both. So I think they need to work out some of that. I think there's major timing issues. I even saw Mariota and Walker were off off, you know. That's, usually, that's a little scary. Yeah, usually you think those two are basically like a mind meld at this point, but they were off schedule on a couple plays. I mean, you saw the miss, the big miss on the first uh, play of the Colts game where Mariota throws it behind Walker, and maybe maybe Walker's not taking the right angle. I've seen, seen some people suggest that. I think it was probably just a misfire on that one. But in the Jaguars game, there was a play that was designed to be a five-yard stop route from what I can tell. On the opposite side, you've got Davis running a five-yard stop, and he stops at five yards. Walker makes his, like, eight yards, and Mariota looks like he's ready to throw it at five, but sees Walker isn't stopping and pulls it down and, and starts to look for an avenue to run. I think he picked up maybe two yards or something like that. But you see those kind of things, and that makes me really confused because Walker's a veteran. He knows what he's doing. He's, he's a guy that's not going to make a ton of mental mistakes. So is it... Marcus that's making mental mistakes or is it all the pass catchers making mental mistakes or is the the offense just not up to speed yet and people are you know sometimes it's Marcus sometimes it's a receiver I, you know it's hard to tell just looking at the tape because you just don't know what what they're supposed to do versus what they're actually doing but I at, mean I mean at some some point not every receiver is running the wrong routes. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that seems to be the the bit. The first excuse is, well, they're running the wrong route. Right. Second excuse is, well, they ran it the right route, but ran it incorrectly. Right. So we we just have a bunch of pass catchers who don't know their one job. And apparently, it's now extended to Delaney Walker, yeah. who's thirty five and and has you know thousands of receiving yards in the league. All right. One good thing about this offense. One positive thing. Okay. Um. <laughs> well, now that I've used up my Janu bonus uh, silver lining, yeah. now you blew your load earlier. I blew my load way too soon. Um, <laughs> Derrick Henry is still playing really, really well. Derrick Henry, I think, is the silver lining. Unfortunately, you know, holding penalties and stuff like that are getting them out of sequence sometimes and limiting his opportunities. Stuff. Okay, yeah, only right. positive we're coming, stuff. We're coming back to positivity. But Derrick Henry, when he does get the ball in his hands, is making really good reads with that zone run. I think when. Lawan gets back, you know, maybe maybe Nate Davis helps a little bit too, uh, getting some push up front. I think you could see the running offense continue to take off, especially if the NFL stops calling holding like every single play because, you know, Tom Brady tweeted it and now it's fixed. So um, you love how that works. Thanks for waiting for That's after just like our him game, at training Tom. camp. Yeah, 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he he screams and everybody fixes it. Yeah. So, I, you know, we just need Tom Brady out there, I guess. Okay, well, that is it for the Mike 22. I am Zebo Zach Lyons, and we have, that was Mike Miracles, at Mike Miracles on Twitter. I'm at ZachWords85 on Twitter, and, of course, you can follow us on Twitter at FWordsPod. We have an episode being released tomorrow at noon. That's our normal Titans episode with all four guys actually in studio. Wow. And then uh, we also, all four guys, are going to also have a Saturday episode for you. Saturday morning quarterback. It will be released by the time you wake up. Oh, my God. And it's us basically... Just us have having given up on Marcus, <laughs> and we're just gonna be talking about other quarterbacks. I if mean, we're, you, we are if, looking ahead. If you're sick of Marcus Mariota and want to daydream with us, join in. <laughs> we we've given up. <laughs> it is over. Uh, so I'm Zach, and you've just been F. You got F. You got F like Corey Davis. 